I mean, if only they knew what was down there in the lab basement. Down in the depths? Down in the depths. If only they knew. There's it would only be, dark uh, things down in the depths, Frodo. There, there be monsters. Yes. Truly. But, uh, well, I mean, maybe we'll talk. Maybe we'll reveal some of the shit down there on this episode. I don't know. Maybe they'll find out what's down there. All the secret uh, weeb lore, weebology lore. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a bad idea. Well, we're going to tell them anyway, so I get to start this one, I think. <laughs> yes. Welcome back to Ufology, everybody. I am your basement-dwelling Professor Ricky. Sup, Toombuzz? Mm. Uh, I'm your Professor Ethan. Tombs. Um, There's a, a 99% chance that I will at some point accidentally slip into an Australian accent because okay. I'm listening to an audiobook with an Australian narrator so about an Australian main character. <laughs> so you're just getting it pumped into your, into your brain. 24 7 as. there it is Struth. Sweet. apparently Sweet that's a that's a good one that i really like now. which one is that Struth. Struth. yeah what, is, what does that mean do you have a context for that i don't know oh you don't even know yet <laughs> i think it's just truth with an s on it yeah it's truth it's truth we gotta Struth. ask our boy uh philip we next do time we chat we do we do but yes i finally it's official i've moved into the lab Woo! and uh yep i'm now living in the the basement of the lab and gzp there are some, uh, <laughs> there's some dark things down there. Some demons. A couple, uh, a couple isekai heroes that reverse isekai here that we keep to interrogate about other worlds. Right. We have, uh, you have to. We have a, uh, we have a, like a resident 300 year old Loli who comes from time to time to like give us the insight on the Loli crowd, which today we might actually need because Twitter seems to be fucking insane about one <laughs> as we speak. Uh, but there's some. Uh, yeah, there's the Loli crazy... stays in his room. I've never seen a Loli here. She's not in my room. We keep her in the storage by the garage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next to the other Isekai <laughs> heroes and the, uh, the a couple, you know, tertiary sidekicks. You weren't gonna beasts. get me on that one, bitch. I wasn't gonna get you there, but neither were you gonna get me there. But uh, touche. Well played. Thank you. Appreciate it. But there's a lot of crazy tech down there. And speaking of crazy tech, nice today we were talking about. I think a show that. I don't know if it took everyone by surprise, but it definitely was like left turn in terms of quality, grabbing the anime community, and uh, in my mind could stand the test of time as one of the best game-centric shows. A couple that come to mind, Rage Buhamut, Castlevania, but this one might take the cake as the best game-centric anime we're going to be uh, graced with thus far. So, Ethan, what are we talking about today? Today, Tombs, we're talking about Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Yes, the 2022 CD Projekt Red, uh, sponsored and produced, but animated by Studio Trigger Show, that I really think kind of exemplifies why the Cyberpunk 2077, the game, really has a beautiful world on its hand in its dystopian, like, bleak, technologically clo like cloaked uh, setting. And uh, if, if people don't know out there, you know, Cyberpunk 2077, you and I probably between us 65, 70 hours, you'd say. Yeah. And um, how would you feel that, that that launch went for that game? So initially pretty rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's tough because it was so ambitious. And I think the show actually sheds a really good light on the act the game yes because yes. Ha having played like 40-ish hours whatever 
Like I was like, oh, I've been there. I've been there. It was like pure nostalgia. And I got to be honest, guys, I was so hyped for this game before it came out. Like, oh, same, same. Like while not in real life, but in my like, you know, fantasy world, like the grungy kind of like, I don't know, just like that kind of nasty feeling that Night City has. It like, speaks to everything it's I such like. such an aesthetic. The, the tech, the grunge, the grittiness, the the highest of highs, the lowest of lows that a city like Night City could offer. Right. But and, of course, like, in real life, I would want absolutely nothing to do with any of the things that you see in the show. Oh, no, I'd be in the Outlands for sure. I'd be living out as a nomad in the middle of I'd nowhere. I'd just be the, the no-tech guy because some of them get a little too fucking wild, and you see that in the show, but... um. Basically, the the game, it had a really tough launch uh, because for a few things, but mostly, like I said, it was really ambitious tech wise. And like, unless you had like a really decent PC, it was like, it was like bricking PS4s and like it would make um, like the graphics were just horrific on anything that wasn't PC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so it, it came to, you know, have some some ire directed toward it. I myself have been stuck in certain missions for like hours because there's a mission breaking bugs in that shit. There's that. And then there's just like I clipped through a wall once and I was just stuck in between an elevator and the wall. And I was just like, (laughs) well, and that's the thing, right? Is it trying to be all things to all people on all systems? And that was really a big part of its downfall. So it, you know, I fine i got a way better laptop that i'm i use nowadays as my main creative and gaming thing and this thing can crank it out on high and i would say it's it locks at 60 but to ethan's point it it's a game that you could really only fully enjoy if almost ironically if you didn't have tech almost akin to this world tech you were not enjoying this technological dystopia (laughs) that's actually hilarious that's how it is right so Despite, but uh, so like the origins actually come from like a a D and D role playing type game. Okay. Yeah. So Cyberpunk originally was a role like a tabletop role playing game, which actually before the game came out, I was gonna get you, me, and Patrick and some others to play. Oh, sick! Because there's like a, a packet or whatever you can play. But, yeah. but then I was like, oh, I don't want to like you know spoil it for us you know what i mean like the the like ooh, street kid ooh, corpo you know what i ooh, mean so nomad I, yeah, so, yeah I mean, so i didn't want to like blow our load too early and then fair I, enough. I, I obviously like 2077 is like a reimagining slash a like like a growth on that original um like the fe- the bones that w- was uh, the tabletop yeah, game yeah the yeah. rpg thing yeah and so like the game is like super open world it's very like you can play multiple different paths. I think they all sort of path toward the same thing, though. Yeah, that's what I was kind of leaning because, like, I I started as Street Kid and I started leaning towards Corpo. Like, and and you could basically like the way you start kind of gives you avenues toward different paths towards those major story beats. Um, but overall, I mean, I think I after watching this show might fire that sucker back up again. It got it, me. Jazzed. It does like get you kind of amped to get back into it um there's a couple weird things about the game like for some reason like i play a lot of fps's and it just the i feel like the gunplay is really whack it's really floaty it's kind of yeah it, it's it's odd it's imprecise. not precise there's like also zero i think probably aim assist no there isn't like, you I, on your I play own. in controller yeah 
and it's just like horrible. <laughs> um, and everyone who has watched me stream it on the Weebology YouTube channel mm-hmm. will, will know that I also can't drive in that game for some reason. See, I'm a good driver. I'm not I drive the best in shooter. every other game just fine. I literally, for some, maybe it's the like, um, you know, like when you push the stick to the left, there's yeah. like the acceleration, right? Like, like dead zone acceleration or something oh, like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe. I just needed to change the settings and then I'd be able to drive like no problem. I, but did, have like, to, I did have to tweak a bunch of controller settings for myself to make yeah, it my so thing. Like, yeah. I mean, just, just, I'm sorry for anyone that had to watch me try to drive in that <laughs> game with my Bugatti I found in the wilderness. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, really solid game, bad launch, bad bugs, but just like an insanely, I think, immersive world. Yes. And I, I wanted to say that for the show's sake, I think before we get into its quality story and all that, it's I think it did what any game anime sets out to really do, maybe with the caveat of Castlevania, is that it makes you it's going to want to make you play the game. And right. ultimately, I think it achieves that goal. So, I mean, if you have played Cyberpunk and put it down or never had and kind of waited for all of like the cracks to get smoothed out with patches. Now is your time to watch it if you're never, if you're even not a big anime fan or you're just getting into anime in general. Asterisk on that one, and I'll tell you why in a bit. But this show will will get you to want to play the game. And it does it very organically because it's very much not kind of selling you on the game mechanics all the time. But again, it like Ethan said, it uses the exact locations it uses a lot of the same ai and ui in the game unbelievably well done incredibly well done maps conversations it's not like text bubbles you see in some bullshit shows no it's like they show on screen as your subtitles if you watch and sub like me the subtitles went away and you're reading the the conversation as wow that's incredible yes so the so you're basically locked into there is a nice interplay between the audience and the way that the characters interact with their tech. You are forced in a way to interact with the tech the same way they do, which is really rather clever. And I, I give CD Projekt Red credit for that because I imagine a lot of the creative choices came from 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 like uh, utilizing the game it, it mechanics itself in the show. I think CD Projekt Red had everything to do with that. So kudos on them for that. But I guess enough about the game. We, we got to talk about this show because. God, I, I I did not see this coming in any respect. I thought it was going to be good. Studio Trigger is going to have a fun time with it. I know uh, they homegrow their stuff and they're very picky about what they do. You know, they do Kill a Kill, Little Witch Academia, uh, BNA, and a lot of those are homegrown. Um, it's I it, will say infinitely better than BNA. Yes, infinitely and better. I think, you know, the style of BNA, like, I guess it fit it, but this is like a match made in freaking heaven. Yes. They they honestly fit the aesthetic. It's not as like it's like when you wa- when you play the game like on ultra settings or whatever, like you see pores and shit. Yeah. That's not what this is like. No. But but it's like the way I almost kind of view it is like the the best like um like what are we western western animation <laughs> what are we western yeah <laughs> well like you know whatever yes vis-a-vis. yeah, yeah. Uh, like amped to like a bajillion with a good color scheme of the cyberpunk game absolutely because it, it does feel like it honestly doesn't feel like super super anime-y yeah and while also still maintaining that obvious origin i would al- i would always kind of argue that studio trigger 
has always been a favorite of mine because I'm a Sakuga nut and they've always been willing to go off model sacrificing some visual moment-to-moment fidelity for that feeling of fluidity, action, movement. And Studio Trigger could be one of the kings of that, doing smears and crazy 2D effects and married a lot of good 3D effects here. But to your point originally, I don't think that Studio Trigger adapted to cyberpunk. Quite the opposite. They've always had an aesthetic that was near cyberpunk level of neon and bright colors studio trigger there was no other pick for studio in my mind they always were poised and primed to be cyberpunk i think i actually went and looked back at our bna episode and i couldn't find it but i do think i keenly remember at the end of that (laughs) saying wouldn't it be crazy if they were to take on a cyberpunk anime uh, that sounds like a little too prophetic. My I, friend. I will. I will go and if if I find it, you can join the Discord one dollar up patreon.com slash ubology. And if I find it, I, I'm not saying I did, but I have this vague memory of of mentioning that it'd be great to have a cyberpunk anime. Maybe we brought it up in another type of episode. But Studio Trigger Cyberpunk match made in heaven couldn't have done it better. Um, and the, then on top of the visuals, which just crispy as all hell, captured the spirit of Night City. I think better in a lot of cases than the buggy game at launch could have. And it shows that, you know, CD Projekt Red had a beautiful world on their hands. And sadly, the execution out the gate was poor. But when reimagined in the light of an anime aesthetic show, it's it's beautiful. It was it was meant to be in a lot of ways. And then, you know, and that's just the icing. I think the story the characters, it's a beautiful character piece. And I think it didn't have a lot to quote unquote say, but it within the world itself, it had a lot of social norms and institutional challenges. It, it showed the ups, downs, lefts and right of, of uh, Night City as a place someone called a cage of lights. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. How did you feel about the story? Was it, you know, do you like that it was tight 10 ep and it just felt like, this is just a thing now. No season two, anything like that. I think um, one thing that was kind of, I thought potentially a red flag would be, I don't know if the show would be as good if I hadn't played the game. Like, I feel like I would have not known what the fuck was going on. I was thinking of that. because It's a, it's a tiny bit chaotic. It is. Um, I, I think they did themselves a couple favors in that regard to kind of tone the the pacing could have at any point could have gone off the rails. I felt the pacing was quite digestible, but we, we I don't know. There's a few like jumps where you're just like I was. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Yeah, a little bit shell shocked because there's just like they almost did this sort of like we'll show you the future and then go back in the past like memento type episode right, randomly. Right. <laughs> and it's just like uh, I just felt like while the pacing overall was good, I wonder if it's because. You know, I'm already calibrated to this city. I'm calibrated to all the settings. You know what I mean? Like everything that we saw, we can be there in the game. And ha- I personally have been there. The, his apartment, I literally have the same apartment right. in the game. You right, know? right, right. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of these game anime can't run away from the one thing that didn't do, though, is that they didn't make it feel very gamey i feel like tack op destiny as great as i think that show was it felt very game mechanic like you have a clear game objective you have a very clear 
uh, power system that feels like almost turn-based. You can see where the game lies here. If you didn't know Cyberpunk was a game at all, I think this show could get by on its own merits and the way that everything was set up. Um, but to your point, I think you do pull a lot away from it if you've already played it, because if you haven't, the other thing game shows do is what I like to call dangle the, you know, the capitalist carrot, right? Is that they, they don't give everything away. There's a lot of assumed things and terms, eddies, chum, preem, and like net runner, you know, and basically uh, a lot of flatlined, like you can, you can defer through the show. Not, some of them are obvious, some of them are not, but then you're going to, you may be left walking away. Like I still don't quite understand that concept. Maybe I should play the game. And they got you. Right. right. And they got you. And that's kind of the whole point, right? You have to kind of take it with a grain of salt that dangling that carrot, like, we're not going to explain everything, but if you buy our game, everything will be revealed. And <laughs> they, they didn't do that oppressively, but there was enough of that. If you are not coming at it from a game player's perspective that has already experienced this game, even just a little bit, you may walk away with a couple concepts a little bit light, which we hope to outline here. So maybe you... I just think like... Like people new to this space, I think would struggle with this. Yeah. yeah, just because like I feel like if you're probably an anime fan, you're probably tangentially a gamer. Yeah, like I, you know, it's not like a obvious one to one, but I would I would wager most gamers have seen and like anime. And I know I've got a versa. couple friends of mine that are like. <laughs> For some reason, the exception to the rule, but yeah, right. I would say it's like very, very clearly. Um, T- you know tied together if, but, if but I, I will to- say my other like huge caveat is like they say tvma they mean tvma okay that's the other thing i was going to say for newcomers to the anime space this one gets gory and very I, I honestly explicit. was thinking this might be the goriest anime i've ever seen this is this harkens back to like the real gritty like 80s ovas almost like some of the work i genuinely the- cannot think of a more gory anime that i've watched I, I think we watched a worst of weeb that might take that cake, but again, it was like but, an 80s OVA. But I was like Lovecraftian and yeah, looked right, like dog right. shit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, viewers beware. There is a lot of sexual imagery and a lot, and I mean a lot, of very well-animated gore. <laughs> and yeah. again, if if you are willing to get past that, because, I mean, we're, you know, we're kind of inundated in 2022 with, you know, high violent Western media in general. So that might not be a problem, but it really does in a lot of other shows. Violence seems to be a crutch, a shock value, an additive measure to make it, you know, seem more extreme or more alluring in the macabre than it needs to be, and doesn't add anything. However, in Night City, it is defined from scene one to the final scene as a place of violence and death, and that is in mutilation, and both of choice and not of choice. So I think the violence, while abrasive for the unseasoned, it does add here. It is an additive measure in my mind. Right. I, I just, my concern would be if you didn't play the game and know that your job is to just go like eviscerate the city. Yeah, you're a bandit, essentially, right. a mercenary. Like, I think it would be very, I guess, confusing why, you know, you start off with just like people popping off on the, in the middle of the highway for literally, no reason. Literally right? like popping. <laughs> so um, I, that would just be my caveat if like, you know you're newer to the space and like obviously 
I would say do not watch this with a kid. This is oh my one, God. This please is one of those where children. it's just like, just don't even, you know? Oh my God. Please don't watch this with kids. <laughs> it would be yeah. so bad. But yeah, let's let's set a little bit of that stage. We're going to try to keep it. It's very new, but we're going to try to keep it as spoiler free as possible because I think there's enough of this world to explain without having to give away too many of the story beats. And it's and I think we can set any prospective viewer of this show up with a lot of the background context for some of these uh, uh, things in the world, the set pieces where you can walk in and you're not going to be completely like lost of like, what's an Eddie, which I don't blame you if you don't know what that is. So the. The story kind of surrounds itself around a character named David Martinez, a very, very smart, but kind of uh, rambunctious is a very, very, very light term. He's very uh, mischievous, but he is attending a very prestigious academy that is controlled in this place called Night City by the corporations, no people who work for them called corpos. And the idea is that this is a prestigious academy to get you fast-tracked onto a corporate job because if you get a corporate job in Night City, that is really the only way to live what could be argued middle class up. Like you, you will be, you know, well off is hard, but you will be getting by with some comfort if you get a corporate job. So everyone and their grandma vies for corporate uh, involvement. So this. Uh, this kid, David, is basically set up to go to this academy because his mother is bust an absolute ass to pay for all this shit to get in there. And uh, it's clear he doesn't fit in. It's clear he's different. And it's a really, really nice initial set piece of you have social structure and, you know, people are born and bred from a different cloth. And there's a lot of hierarchy here. The caste system is real, real hot. Right. right. Yeah. So I'm so glad we didn't have to deal with that in in high school. Jesus. I mean, like we went to a nice school, but no one was like a dick about money. I felt like no one was. I mean, it was was it a pretty penny? Sure, but I mean, it definitely didn't feel like. Um, what are you driving a fucking Camry? Mm, yeah, I'm gonna leave in my fucking BMW. There was. Yeah, there, was, there was like a tiny bit of that. I really don't even like think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. So in, in any case, that's kind of it's kind of the set the stage is that this this kid through a tragic accident is now left without means to get himself through school to pay rent. He's left all alone in this world. And he always kind of idealized a group of individuals called edge runners, a.k.a. cyberpunks. And he kind of was already tangentially involved with the idea. Right. He was kind of uh, dabbling in what is known and something they don't explain in the show. And I'm, I would like to bring this up. Brain dances. Care to care to share what a brain dance is? It's basically like you input yourself into a film. Yes. It's actually, I think, a concept. I don't know if it's from it, but heavily featured in Ready Player One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where you're able to like implant your consciousness, conscience, uh, whatever. Yeah. Into <laughs> nice. into like the main character of a like video or something like that. And in this case, it's like first person, like, full sensory, full sensory actions. Yes. And the edge runner ones are typically like just you know s slinging lead all over the city, fighting the cops. 
you know, fighting max tactical force, you know, yes. killing the there's, trauma units. There seemed to be a kind of a commercial trade of brain dances. Some, most of them much, very much legitimate. We see a brain dance where they basically in, put it in their, put it in their neck. They have like personal slots in their neck and some kind of device where they can then uh, insert themselves into someone else's experience. Cause that's what they do it. They literally will record all of the brain sensory input and then replicate that for sale which is a pretty fucking dope idea so some people you know work on the moon and they sell brain dances of being able to be on the moon however there is also a dark black market like style not bds but xbds x-rated brain dances where people are kind of selling underground the final moments of someone's death that go out in a blaze of glory in a car chase or try to shoot up a store and you get not just the visual input but the rush of adrenaline from like robbing a store you know the feeling of actually getting shot or shooting somebody else it can get pretty explicit and there's a there's an entire market of this to the point where there are people that have like fans of like people who remix this shit right like, literally uh, there's a guy johnny kurosaki who is known for his cuts or his his uh, remixes of uh people's final moments of like a psychopath c- completely trying to mow down a barrage of police cars and swat teams right i thought it was a weird way for ichiko kurosaki's grandson to go but you know i mean you gotta, make, you gotta make that scratch somehow no but i i think he's actually i wouldn't say a pivotal character but he is involved in the actual game as well so it was yes. kind of like yeah. interesting just to like a lot of the characters that you will interact with in the game do pop up like either you just see them or they're in like actually important to the game. Yeah. Or sorry to the show. And so it was just kind of like fun, like almost like nostalgia for like a year ago, which is (laughs) wild. But I think that's, that really what shows that this, this show was like done with such like care for the original IP. Mm -hmm. And I guess the feel of night city which is like really what I think the product here is, is like to be able to live in this world where brain dances and like all that shit exists, like all these like cybernetics exist, yes. but you don't have to like, you know, ruin your, your body and soul to do it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, speaking of ruining body and soul in this world, I mean, you know, cybernetic implants are, it's such a norm that being full organic is weird like weird weird like full meat skin and bones um and to get by in a lot of ways you gotta have these enhancements and you basically find that david has come across a particular implant of basically uh, sketchy origin that is like very very tweaked military grade known to drive people literally insane for wearing this thing Because we learn from the very beginning of a kind of affliction of the mind called cyber psychosis. If you are more metal than skin and bone and you go too far and you keep adding that cybernetics into your body, the body may be fine, but the mind is the one powering it. And every and it it hits a limit. And if you are too enhanced without the proper immunosuppressants, then you will, in fact, contract this where your mind is being almost split, taken and altered by 
instead of you controlling them, they just kind of, you know, burn you out from like a neurological standpoint. Right. And that's a really interesting thing that they drop right at the beginning. I think that is a beautiful way to put stakes in the world at large, not just for a character. We have other great stakes for the, it, it, every single person that is enhancing themselves is subject to that potential end. And I love that idea because y'all know I'm big risk and reward guy, but this is a risk reward that applies to all. This is everybody that gets enhanced. I think it's kind of a funny thing, too, because it's like it's clearly like almost a Aurora Boric situation where like if you don't have tech, you're ostracized. But if you start getting tech, you have to then pay for money to get it. First of all, put in you have to buy the tech and then you also have to like pay for ongoing medication to yeah. like block your body's response to the tech. Right, so it's like, right. like uh, of course everybody's broke. They're like shelling out like 50,000 times the amount of like money that you need to. And then they, they really play up the like um, insurance system where like you have to be that. rich to even have like basically basic health care. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's right. it, on the nose, but they do it well, obviously. And that's, that was a great, uh, as a great kind of indicator that it's not just about the tech, it's not just about being relevant, but just to operate and just have any kind of amenity whatsoever. It didn't seem like it was just that you had the eddies, which actually I believe they're euro dollars or some kind of euro is the official name in this show, but everyone calls them eddies and that's the currency in the show. But you also, it, it all goes back to the corporations. And they always just call the corporations as this ethereal blanket of just like the, the highest of the high, the, elite of the elitist of the elite, and everyone wants to be a part of them, but it almost feels like a Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like you want to be part of the corporations because of the security, because of the plans they offer, because we saw people high up in the corporations, quote unquote, basically have uh platinum packages like people will respond to them in flying avs in seconds if they have the platinum executive gold plated package right right and if you have nothing you're basically like hey do you want the budget free cremation option sorry for your loss and it literally like i don't know they did that part so well i'm not going to say exactly too much about that but it went from a pivotal death to like the system that you know, the process that the system controls is done with that grieving person in like 30 seconds flat. Right. You're, you're just in and out and you have no time to even process. Well, here's a many of our options for burial. Yeah. How would you want our budget, budget friendly cremation option? And then your <laughs> loved one comes out in a tube in a pneumatic tube system. That's Which, fucked. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah, but Pretty it, efficient. It, it is efficient. I will say that if you want to get it over with, fuck it. But um, they, they do a good job, big and small, showing the oppression of these people that, you know, maybe were not born into uh, into a bit of luxury. And even those born into luxury, that shit kid from school, even his own dad was like, if he's going to be my heir of high time, he learned he got his ass kicked. Like, there's no love in a lot of this show. Well, like, I think that is, like, good. Like, Oh, it's good for him. That kid's a little a complete prick. He's a piece of shit. Um, but, yeah, I think it did, like, I mean, really, two, two, three episodes in, you really get the, the lay of the land here. Um, and then as you kind of, like, progress through the show, you see all the different gangs and all the different t- 
territories and shit like that. Are you dying over there? Uh, sorry, I just uh, you know, sucking down Lacroix. Yeah, just just burping on my Lacroix. What's that other one, Doctor Z? Doctor Zevia. Doctor Zevia. That sounds like some. That sounds like a doc in this show. Yeah. Dr. So Zevia. it's basically like Diet Coke, but it doesn't have any like actual coloring to it. Oh, so it's like clear, hmm. and it's made with stevia rather than like fake sugar. Ah, I see. So like you, you know, you aren't killing yourself as uh, bad. Just slower. Just slow in the roll a little bit on the whole killing yeah, yourself. Yeah, but it actually, soda. it tastes not. Super crazily different than Dr. Pepper. I might grab one after this episode. Feel free, man. I might do it. But yeah, so as as we progress, we see, you know, David had basically, instead he wanted to sell this implant, he took it upon himself instead to be, you know, relevant and get back and uh, at, I guess, the world, the city, because he's just angry. Like, he sees all of the shit just kind of implode on him and his life and he goes by way of netrunner he goes by way of the cyberpunks edge runner edge runner oh what did i say before netrunner netrunner Net <laughs> we we talk about netrunners in a second but <laughs> he basically has uh, uh garnered the attention of a lot of higher powers because turns out that he is adapting really well to this tech that drove others insane almost a little too well actually like to the point where he's now like an actual asset to any group he essentially becomes a speedster like the speediest speedster in the city which is crazy right so so this uh implant that he put on that he found that was like military grade evidently you're only supposed to be able to like use it eight times total in its entire lifetime use use and i mean maybe once a week at most. And this dude is like spamming the special button on his <laughs> Yeah, right. Like on his uh implant. He uh we saw a scene of the original user, the previous user before it fell into David's hands, use it twice and just like his face implodes with blood and then he gets taken out. David uses it ten times and gets a nosebleed. Right. Excuse me? Like that's a pretty sick, like and again, still risk reward. He is not I'm special. I'm special. He's not immune, but he's clearly, I guess, built different, as he says. Which was hilarious. It was pretty hilarious. But, but I think it was like really a character piece on like starting off, you know, in the slums and just like wanting so badly to be different, to be like the exception to the rule. Yes. Which like awkwardly he already was to have gotten into Arasaka and like be like, you know, brushing shoulders with all those rich kids did you catch the did you catch the throwaway line that he was actually top of his class yeah and like whoa like he's actually a brainiac like he knows he's not a dumb kid um and when he and when he falls into when he starts out right he wants so badly to be different and then he's kind of initially justified in that opinion because of the group that takes him on basically gives him a job and he kind of succeeds he he exceeds their expectation was pretty sick how he used his like speed ability to like drive the car like super quick yeah. like drive on the other side of the road and dodge oncoming cars probably that a little was unnecessary right right it was a little unnecessary but again he's fresh he was new so this crew this crew of edge run this edge runner crew I found that every one of them had a lot of amazing personality. Maine especially fucking loved his character. We had Maine, Plyer, Do Dorzio, Dorio, and Dorio, no S, and Lucy. 
And Kiwi. And Kiwi. And Becca. I was getting to them. Becca <laughs> was going to get to here in a second because she's a special case. But Lucy is what is known in this world as a net runner. And it's a little bit of a hard concept to quite grasp. It does. I think they do net running a bit better in the game just because they have, they have more freedom of expression on that front. But essentially, they can like jack in directly to network as almost an ethereal being. From right. the sound of it. So I did want to say, if you liked Ghost in the Machine as a show, okay, this really is like, in my opinion, very similar. You said Ghost in the Machine or Ghost in the Shell? That's what I meant. Okay, cool. Be- well, I'm keeping you covered. Because Ghost in the Shell mentions Ghost in the Machine. Gotcha. Okay. That's kind of where I was going with it. I appreciate uh, you. Thanks for the old That was assistance. a tee-up. That was a tee-up. <laughs> uh, but I think they really play very well with the concept of Ghost in the Machine from Ghost in the Shell. There it is. Thank okay. you, everybody. I will just uh, take a bow. <laughs> where, well like, done. Well done. <laughs> there's clearly some intelligence behind it. Like beneath the surface, which is the whole idea of like net running. Yeah. Evidently, there's this like cyber world that these people can like go in and manipulate to either like find information or like change the world around you. But there's like, they explain it way better in the game, but evidently there's like an old tech land. That's yeah, like unruled. Yeah. yeah. But and- uh, the, the point really being that there's clearly like some. AI or something like that that's that has a lot of I think impression on the world that these net runners are you are like either circumventing or using to do different things but like I really liked the idea of like cyber psychosis being like the machine fighting back a little bit right right whatever is down there is kind of creeping up and eroding the organic that is you right sort of like the basement of the the lab that that is that is where i i'm gonna be eroding this place from the bottom up i must assimilate well, with don't it. do that well i won't but i'll assimilate with it we're gonna be we're gonna be fully automated in here in no time you know what that doesn't sound so bad i'll get to work on it but yeah so you know net runners do have a very uh uh, a huge advantage in this world i mean they can do a lot of things from frying other people's cybernetics within themselves getting information hacking stuff and um access to places where normally there would be no access to the point where even the corpos and their military forces uh, do have a bit of fear throughout the entire show no matter what level of you know military might they have they're still pretty scared of net runners right they are quite a threat so for well, it's just like real life, like hackers can fuck our shit up quick at a Starbucks, no less. Like they can yeah. literally just be anywhere they and can just, just like turn off water. There's there, there it is. Yeah, they can't. Yes, they can just turn off water and then go. Oops, our bad. And then yeah. turn it back on. No, no harm, no foul. Right, guys. Ha <laughs> ha. Click, click. I'm out. Um, well, I think it's just like super aside here, but very scary. Like, um, like nuclear facilities are largely automated right because you yeah. don't want people in there like messing with plutonium cores or whatever the fuck it is uranium yeah right um and so like a, a really good hacker just gets in there and is just like nah, i'm gonna open all these i'm gonna you know purge the water and then boomy yep it's so a- it's like you know we had a lot of disasters when that stuff was like manual it might not be solved by just going all ai in the tech world they do have a saying that do you know what the safest server in the world is none the one that's unplugged yeah, true. That's really it. Like analog, there isn't anything safer than analog from a digital what perspective. What do they call it? Airlocked? Air sealed? Air sealed? Like you have a computer that's never been on a network. 
Oh, there isn't. There is a term for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I do not know that term off I think top. It's airlocked. It might be airlocked. Um, but yeah. So like literally, it's never it's never touched the internet, and that's kind of the what they play on here is that if you're plugged into anything, you're a threat to everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very very scary concept that this show is very good at showing, um, and to to kind of mid as we go through the show, we kind of not just see you know david's meteoric rise in a lot of ways but we see him change as well and i loved the progression here and why the pacing i think was so good yes there were moments where we had those memento style like storytelling beats where we start with the final scene of an episode but we don't have the context and then it hits harder when we do and they did that pretty good in a couple cases i never felt like i walked away from an episode thinking like nothing was explained at least there are some times that that could be a little from a story perspective. N- not, the world is a little bit different, but um, well, I think once you finish the episode, of course. Yes. Yeah. But it did feel like it's just like a herky jerky kind of motion when you there, you know, leaps in time are always tough. But then when you don't like actually explain how much time has passed and you see like uh, basically a full transformation of a human body. Right. It does like start to get a little wild for me. There is um, mid season for David where he goes from scrawny to absolute beefy boy supreme. Yeah, to like tank lord. Yeah, but but they I think they did a very good job of that in a couple of cases too, where you know we saw from like an episode where some big event happened and then David's a completely different looking person. We start to see him kind of act different too, but we we do had a we did have a conversation earlier that a certain character said, if I'm out, like if, if I get flatlined, which means dead uh, in this show, but if I get flatlined, you can have my my famous big bruiser arm tech. And he's like, fucking deal. And then when we see his transformation, part of that is the big bruiser arm. So we can right. kind of it, it's not it's not big brain high science to follow those time skips. Some shows really make you strain to the point where you're just like, where are we now? Wait, what year is it? I don't get it. But this show does a very good job because it is over the course of, you know, they're not trying to show beat for beat. You have the rise, his workings, kind of his humble beginnings, and then his rise to leadership. And then he starts to really see what's going on. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I've seen shows do pacing of this style much worse. Oh, it could have been better. Yeah, I, yeah, it I think like, like I, I just want to say it, it's a tiny bit confusing. I think it, it's hard for me because I'm trying to put my my like opinion in the mind of somebody who hasn't played the game. It's, that's what I'm trying to do too. It's a, it's kind of hard though, right? It, yeah. So it's just just like try to think objectively, like from a remove, because like obviously I knew everything that was going on because I did that as a character. Right. You know what I mean? Even some of the missions they do, I swear to God, I did those missions. Yes. I mean, I've done some of the stuff where they're driving back in a night city from the outlands. Like, right. And I've done, wait, there's, there's at least four or five missions that are very similar to that. Yeah. And, and it's great. there's like, they break into certain places. I was like, I did that. I'm pretty sure I died there a hundred times. Like that meeting room in the back of the afterlife. Like yeah. been there like seven times, like totally. And, and that's part of it too, is that are it's obviously gameplay, uh, previous experience will enhance this but I think removing myself I don't know if the absence of that knowledge really detracts all that much it's more because it's more of an enhancement rather than a, I agree with that if 100%. you don't know you'll still be fine you have a fully fledged beautiful character story here about you know 
you know, David's just character. Just a kid from the other side of the tracks trying to get it, man. It's a classic. It's a classic formula, but it's done really well here. And you know, in so much as rising above his his cast, he kind of always says, "I'm built. I'm built different. I'll be different. I'm special." But we slowly learn that these kind of things escape nobody. Nobody escapes those fates. And the doc the entire time is kind of that voice of seasoned reason in this city. Like, there's no one I've ever seen escape this. I'm sorry, but like, you may have an extra resilience. Your adaptability to cybernetics is, in fact, super crazy. Like, let's not get that twisted, but we all succumb. It It will happen to you. And you kind of have that childlike, you know, almost teenage invincibility mentality of just like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the exception. I'm, I'm the, the shit, an- dog. I'm the anomaly. You we know? all gangsters think that well, <laughs> until they get popped. Right. I'm the well, glitch I in mean, the system. It's, it's a concept that they talk about in the game as well as in the show, which is like a bounty hunter or whatever these guys, like edge runner's life is really only... Deter- like their legacy is only determined about the like how they died versus yeah. like how they like their rise or what they did during life right and and once again it absolutely rings true here as it did in the game and it was just like a lot of um i don't know they I just like the i think the symbiosis between the game and the show was great but like you're totally right you could watch this, and I think if you just like get in, in invested in the characters, you would still have a really fun time. Yeah, I just I fear it'd be a slightly jarring and confusing dip into like a way wider world. One great example I think that might be a counterexample. I said that you would be a bit lost is Lucy's story. Her backstory is very akin to other characters in the game. And you really don't get you get the spark notes and it does make for a good character, you know, past and uh, all of her uh, behaviors, all of her philosophies, all of her ideologies do stem beautifully from that backstory of hers. She's kind of a corpo. I wouldn't say experiment, but she is definitely a product, quote unquote, of the corporations um, in some manner or another. And that's all I'll say on that. But if you had playing the game, I have such a br- such a much more robust picture of the lengths in which the corporation will tweak these products and the way that you know it the means by which they have to escape to actually go be real or try to live normal lives. So uh, you know, Lucy's story can be one where you may be walking away like I w- mo- almost actually I wish I had more. I wish I had more of that. Again, dangle the carrot. That's a great dangle the carrot example. Yeah, I think like character wise, though, they made like decisions that make sense in the world and just in general, like mm-hmm. psychology wise. Like there's this big secret for, you know, maybe seven straight episodes near the end that Lucy's keeping from David. Yeah. And it like makes sense. But it also like David's response to that, I thought was like super reasonable and like super human-y. Yeah. And so like, I, I, I don't know. I just really liked the character interactions. Like, you know, there's uh, this character, Kiwi, basically like a, let's just say like veteran net runner. Yeah. She's like varsity and like Lucy's kind of backup, but she's, she's still like very JV. gifted. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, but she, she like basically like, I, I wouldn't say raised her, but like brought her into the edge runner life. Right. 
And then she always keeps saying, like, there's no soul in, like, you know, Night City that doesn't betray somebody or some shit like that. There's no one you can trust besides yourself because at some point, everyone will betray someone else at some point. And, like, basically the show is just, like, every betraying everybody. Yeah, it's everyone's <laughs> so it's stabbing like, backs. You know, yeah. it's just, I, I don't know. They just did a really, really good job of, like, building up, I think, the mythos of Night City, even though I obviously knew it already. And then also, like... They delivered on the mythos. They did. You die in a freaking wild ass way. You fucking get betrayed nonstop. Uh, the more tech you put on your body, the crazier you become. Like I think they delivered on all the points that they said they were going to deliver on. And, and the reason why I think it works so damn well is because not just the synergy between the game and the show, but the synergy between the mythos and the literal mind, body, and spirit of our main character, David. Right. As someone who has been oppressed by this system now starts to participate in every bit of that mythos, he his body changes, his mind slowly becomes corrupted, both literally and in a lot of ways, metaphorically. He even said later in the show, you know, I can't even count the amount of people I've killed at this point. It doesn't even phase me. It's not just a literal corruption. He recognizes the metaphorical corruption. So the tech and the cybernetics and involving himself in this world, you know, the, the physical corruption is a great allegory for the metaphysical corruption that one experiences if they want to, quote unquote, play the game of Night City, right? And, play, and be part of, of that uh, kind of illustrious edge runner lifestyle, illustrious from the outside, but once inside. You both you you see literally and physically and figuratively kind of how that changes a person. Uh, it's gritty, man. It's it, a gritty underworld it's for gritty sure. Shit, I, I kind of wanted to bring up the one character I've been saving because Twitter's going the fuck off about it, and I'm doing a lot of research, and I have yet to find a good fucking reason why, and it makes me mad a little bit unreasonably, frankly, because I kind of like this character, Rebecca, the little Lolly esque gunslinger, right. Wally-esque because she's a grown-ass fucking adult. She's, like, very clearly, I think, being portrayed as, like, wow, small and diminutive. Like, she's got, like, a smoker's voice. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, like, you read a character card and she happens to be 40. Yeah, right. And, and her cybernetics is just she's these big, beefy arms, but she's, like, I don't know, five inches shorter than David? She's not really, like, yeah, she's Wally not like at all that short either no and she's so tatted and like uh, changed that it's almost like can you even like consider this yeah, she's a little, she's just a little cutie that slings absolute like like lmgs around just right. like amazing and it, i saw some people on twitter like oh she's a little girl trying to like sleep with david uh-uh i'm gonna put that one to bed real quick because she has actually been pretty fucking tasteful throughout the entire yeah. show and all that right and she, david's also a kid so right exactly at, at some point i think maybe he like turns 18 but like uh, he, to the point where her only advances she clearly likes david which is cool she clearly does it in a pretty respectful manner where she's like, why are you playing so hard to get? You know, like, you know, come dance with me. Want to say mama walk. can only wait so long. Exactly. <laughs> right. And then at some point it's like, why? You know, maybe I should be shy and nerdy to the shy and nerdy type. Like she's actually a pretty reasonable look at like how a girl likes a guy. Like there is no like lowly weird advances. There is no Opie's truth here. There's no fucking etchy. Like, is it's not well, there <laughs> for her for her for her i would say there's yeah. a lot of sexual shit in the show but um 
for her, she was probably one of the tamest female presences in the entire show. She made zero physical advances. Yep. And she was honestly like a phenomenal friend and throughout. She, yeah, she was great. And like so she, much so that she helped him like go fight, get his lover back. Right. Like remember, like she was the entire time like David quit fucking around with cybernetics, even like the military grade stuff. Stop doing this. But when she recognizes that his resolve is there and he's willing to go to the end for Lucy, she's like all right, saddle up, Buttercup. Let's get this done. Like, where, where are we going? Oh, the top of the biggest corporation in the entire city? Let me get you there. You're like, sorry, I'm going to take a nap for five minutes because I'm starting to go, I don't know, literally psychotic. <laughs> Oopsie, crazy. Like, Oopsie. All right, Falco. He was like one of the, he's like the driver. Falco, we need, we need to buy him five minutes. He's taking a nap. So like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> she's like, yeah, fucking make it work. All right, five minutes it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, Rebecca is like the, like the goat friend in the show. Yeah, she crew. Yeah, she's, she's crew and she's cool. And so I, you know, Twitter, shut up. Just shut up. Like this is you you've had your you know I, I guess like the concern that I have is like there's there's very like decent options for you guys to be mad about. Yeah. And like this just happens to not be one at all. Izuki Chan, fine. Like little short opi chick, like those exist, but they went to the nines with that show, fine. There's other. I'm sh- just saying. I've, right, se- I've seen less town on that shit. I I've seen less bullshit about Mashoko Tensei than I did about this Rebecca chick, frankly, who's an adult. Yeah, frankly, Jobless deserves it. I'll stand. I'll, I'll stand on that show and I'll stand on that hill and say that show deserves some Twitter flames. Fine, I can live with that. Do not come after Rebecca. She is a sweetie with an absolute like strapped set of arsenal and. I, I liked her as a character. She was a great addition. She was sassy as fuck. And she, uh, she not as fleshed out. I like to have seen more of her backstory. She's literally just like short Harley Quinn. Well put. She literally is that. With a gat. Yeah. Not a bat. Well, Harley Quinn has a gat She's got sometimes. A gat. She's got a gat. But yeah. But, but it was for the rhyme. All, all in all. No, you're right. Shut, Twitter, shut up. Like, like seriously. Like, and it, it's, it's kind of stressful to me. And it's why I don't have a Twitter account. Uh, just for personal lurking and all that. Uh, but outside of like, I will do research from like, you know, tweets I'll find on like anime memes or something like that. But um, I don't like this kind of shouting for shouting's sake. I know that's literally what Twitter's built for nowadays. But like, you know, I guess any press is good press, you know? I, I, cause there's no basis. I've looked at a bunch of tweets, there's no basis for anyone being pissed off about it. I can't find a single reason that is justified. Well, I mean, we watch the show. There's nothing like there's, untoward whatsoever. Not there. It's just not there. I don't know. I, I think, honestly, there'd be a better, um, like, maybe argument to, to be talking about Lucy, like, being naked the entire show, basically. Yeah, basically. Full frontal. Everything. Yeah. yeah and, it, like, she, I, she can't be that much older than David, if at all. So, like, she is, I guess, a kid. I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, I don't hear a lot of shit about that. But also, fellas. like, guys, N- Night City is a just absolute destitute, grimy, like denizens of the underworld type place. You were talking about that yesterday. Yeah, I it's mean, where it's like there's so much bad shit going on that would obviously not even like register in their brains as a problem. Right. And I mean, it's. It's of the world, and it's not kind of like saying, well, like, that's excusing like, it, but it's like... But that could literally be, the like, the point of it. It's like, if you guys, like, fuck around with all these, like, moral objections, and then you keep, like, saying, eh, that's not a problem, that's not a problem, that's a problem, 
like all these weird things start happening. Like people are like, I, <laughs> I don't wait, even know wait, how to wait, say wait, this. Wait, no, I, I get it. Freaking I get, toys in the middle of the street. Uh, yeah, no, seriously. Like we see in the first half of the first episode on David's walk to the academy, there is a guy every day routinely like jerking off with the help of cybernetics and I'm assuming <laughs> VR on a dumpster every day, just having the time of his fucking life in the middle of the street. And you know who bats an eye? Exactly zero people. Right. This city is devoid of morality and they do actually a really good job. There is way worse shit in the game. Way worse shit, I'd say. So, I mean, and that's the point. This city is a world. It's a dystopian future. Right. Truly. It's it, and it's one of the best the world itself putting the game and its execution aside. Night City is, I think, one of the best realized uh, examples of a dystopian future, the likes of which we have not seen since we're talking like Brave New World, Aldous Huxley shit or 1984. Like from a world I would say like Mad Max or like Dune. It ropes that kind of stuff into it. The surveillance is there. The yeah. destitution is there. The extreme wealth. I mean, obviously the extreme wealth gap is always in all the is a tenant of all those stories. But in terms of realization, in terms of making manifest into several pieces of media, I think Night City as a setting, as a world, as a uh, collection of individuals it's up there with those worlds and it does a very good job questioning the moralities of such a future, which sadly enough, doesn't seem it's while extreme doesn't seem impossible. Right. That's the scariest part about some of these dystopian worlds is they're meant to be mirrors of the now and the trends. Right. And I do think like the whole cyber psychosis thing is like super reasonable to assume that something like that would start happening when you just get like, so fucked up and there's so many like electrical pulses going through your brain like that aren't you know yours or, yeah, you, or you're yours. having to manage more than just the body like of neural the load right yeah it's, and, it's literally neural load your cybernetic capacity can be literally measured and if you hit 100 percent and go over that it does seem wild though that they like allow that to happen so frequently you would think like you'd see some guy with like everything changed out and you'd be like that guy's about to go insane right and we had characters like that like adam smasher i think he's in the game he is in the game he's very yeah. much in the game so i mean he's a legend in the game like and, and he's we, a legend in the show. He's too, a fucking mate. legend, my dude. Fucking legend. And the <laughs> so the idea of this is like I one kind of a side a little set of side note. I've talked about this with friends before, but the question I always like asking is, what do you think is going to be our millennial generation's like like moment of the old world, like back in my day shit? And I truly believe before we pass from this earth, we will see elective readily available bio enhancement to the and i think we're seeing some of that now where you are nothing's wrong it's not a prosthetic necessity but you can elect to have bio enhancement with cybernetics and we're gonna be old and like oh wait you still have all your fucking parts you old fogey you fucking weirdo that's i think that can happen in our lifetime I truly believe that. So this show... I hope not, because it's just like a real decline for the human race type type like issue. Someone, someone see it as an enhancement of said race. Yeah, those people are really, really dumb. See, and that is that is what I'm thinking in our mentality. There will be a couple generations born before we're out. We'll definitely live in a world where like, wait, like for my 18th birthday, can I get that eye that zooms in three times? 
that could I could totally see that happening. Like, and we'll be like, I think it's possible. I th- I think it's like you know, Zark Fuckerberg is trying to do that with his meta shit. Or see, and I also said this back in the past too, is that tech is going to get closer and closer and closer to us. And uh, that happened at the Go- when I saw Google Glass. I'm like, this is going to be it. Like, this is going to be it. But I think it's 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 um. I think they do a good job of showing the downsides of that in this versus like a ready player one where it's like everything's fucking chill in that game or in that book. Is it though? Everything's kind of that same kind of wealth gappy corporation control kind of style. Like, is that not like it's almost like the world is ending anyway kind of thing. So like you go out happy. (laughs) It's sort of like that. Yeah. And then like you can be like a chill person and still like enjoy the gaming world there. Yeah. Right. You can still engage. I I would say like the, the real difference is like you've almost disengaged from real life and play in the game more in ready player one than this one where they like try to augment as much as possible. Like it's basically a constant brain dance. Yes. Oh, right. Exactly. Right. right. Your, your nine to five is people a brain go, dance. A, a yeah. brain dance. Right. You go to school in VR. In VR. So I At Lutus. But I think that that's the hallmark in my mind of a good dystopian uh, story is that it really makes you think. Yeah. You know? It really makes you think that which we like we consider positive <laughs> trends. You know, Uber connectivity the advancement of Moore's law and technology exponentially rising exponentially quickly. The internet of things. Internet of things, 4.0. my guy. I want my smartwatch to make me toast from the other side of the room. <laughs> I just go, bing. Oh, I swear to God. I bet you could get a toaster right now that your Apple watch could just toast me. Yeah. Do it. I, I bet that already exists right now. So, I mean, a good dystopian story, it shows the, the logical downsides to the trends that are already happening. It's as if you just hit the fast forward button in one direction for something that is happening now. And that's, you know, they do it with all shit, like Mad Max, climate change. You got, you know, cyberpunk with technological advancement and the way that we integrate it with our bodies. I mean, they just basically turn it up to 11 and we see the ups and downs, the artificial pleasures and the absolute horrific, almost cosmic level pains you can experience from a world that has reached that logical conclusion. So, so I'm going to say something that might be out of pocket. Uh-oh. This might be my favorite trigger show of all time. I don't think it's out of pocket. I don't think it's out of pocket. I think close to me, close to second would be Kill a Kill. I kind of love Kill a Kill. Eh, very, um, very lukewarm on Kill a Kill. <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly, though, in terms of works they've done, the Star Wars vision shorts that they put out were actually masterclass. Didn't like, watch them. You should. I mean, well. that, <laughs> okay, well, hmm. You literally have a Star Wars poster on your wall right now. Yeah, that was a good Star Wars. <laughs> and then they did bad Star Wars. I think that was the out-of-pocket. That's the most out-of-pocket thing. You got to give it a chance. Star Wars Visions is fucking dope. You think Return of the Jedi is a bad Star Wars? I did not say that was a you bad Star Wars. You sort of did. No, no, you, you're just that like cagey about... I love Return of the Jedi. Come on. I'm just saying. Uh, but Star Wars Visions is nothing to be shaking your head at because I think... That is kind of where Studio Trigger is starting they to... They paid for it with their blood money. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they did. So uh, that's, that's kind of Studio Trigger's trajectory right now. They had the IP of Star Wars in their hands, and I think they handled it quite well. They had CD Projekt Red coming to them, and we want to give you the Cyberpunk IP. Handled it, like, fucking amazingly. So I wonder if this is going to be Studio Trigger's kind of next evolution. They don't necessarily home grow 
they basically reimagine these things with their own flair and their own style, which clearly seems to be working with adaptations of pre with other people's narrative visions adding to their visual stylings seems to be a real good match for them. I hope they continue this, but favorite, favorite trigger thing. Easy. I think it's easily my favorite trigger work I've seen. Yeah. I think kill a kill would have a better shot if it was like newer. Yeah. If they kind of reimagine, like it's, it's if pretty they like revamped it. I think it, you, you know, visually it wouldn't be so, I guess, abhorrent compared to something like this. Yeah. But like, I also feel like, you know, I just, I bought into the game. I was really hyped for the game and it's just like, it feels like a really good, um, I guess, imagining or like, you know, transference between media types. Yeah. Uh, I I just thought it was like a really fun thing. I think this, the story was fine. Like 10 episodes was enough to get you like interested in cyberpunk. I think if you don't, if you didn't play the game and if it was enough, if you have played the game to like it, if you've never, if you never intend to play it at all, because you just don't have the hardware, you don't have the, you don't have the care. Still reasonable. You're still gonna have a good time with this show, and I mean, do you think that there's any chance that they do a subsequent series about another set of bounty hunters? Because the show and the game are basically like two different groups of bounty hunters, anyway. Right. They have basically set themselves in a really interesting, almost anthology position. Right. Cyberpunk, something new. Like an, it could also just be old. It could be new. It's sort of like what the game did, a like meshing of the past and the future kind of thing. If you, before we give this a rating, if you were to want to pluck a cyberpunk story for them to do for the next one, what would you like? Well, like I think reasonably you would do Johnny, like kind of his like prequel and his rise and all of that. Of course, yeah. There was I- not enough. Wake the fuck up, samurais! In my opinion, that's that's all I was waiting for the entire time. Was like them walking by, like a like a billboard or something with Johnny Silverhand on it. Because like, he was a musician. It just would have been yeah. nice if there was like some sort of like throwback to that. We see his like afterlife chick at one point. You know what? I'm a little. I, it would have been nice. Wake the fuck up, samurai. samurai. I mean, we where's Keanu? It. We got a city to burn. But the the thing for me is, I almost am happy that they didn't because. Oh fuck off! All I'm saying is, Keanu's Cat, a gem. He is a gem. A national treasure. He is a national treasure. <laughs> but all I'm saying is that this show did not. It, it's not about the game. It's about the world. That's the best part. Is that they're not shoving the game down your throat. They're not shutting that exact narrative down your throat. I'm just saying, as a guy who's in the advertising department for CD Projekt Red, not including at least a walk-by of Johnny Silverhand is a massive, massive issue. Who's to say he wasn't there in the background? We just missed him. I think timeline-wise, it would be fucked. See? And there you go, right there. I mean, I, maybe it would be, you're right. But I, I, what I would love to see... I would love to see a kind of corpo kind of turn tail and get exposed to like the nomadics out in the world and then find their way back. That'd be incredible. Why is my character from the game that I created not in this show? That's what I'm most <laughs> concerned about. Why am I not in this? Why, Why is Weebus D Thunderdong not in this show? <laughs> I still love that name. <laughs> brilliant you could be whatever you want in night city even weebus thunderdong <laughs> but i did want to say like <laughs> yeah like as kind of like my final bow on this little turkey 
<laughs> Whatever the fuck. Why would you, you do put, that? Can you put bows on turkeys? I don't touch turkeys, damn it. <laughs> um, I think they, the ending of this show is not a happy ending. No. And I think that not. very, very, very uh, well encapsulates Night City. There's no happy endings. It's really not a happy ending. Even even the, the tiny final scene where someone seemed to have a glimmer of serenity you can still tell there's just a lot of sadness behind it. There's a lot of pain. And, and like, man, Nice City will get you, dog. It'll get you. I mean, that's that's what I was saying. It's like what she said. Like, you can't really escape that in Night City if you even rise a little bit. You have to give something up. A lot, even. In and those cases. like, I mean, is there been more poetic words spoken? I don't know. You just go in a southern accent now? What are we doing? I was just thinking about Falco. I'm thinking about Falco. Falco looked like a fucking bartender, like a southern bartender. He looked like, uh, what was that guy's name? McCree from from uh, Overwatch. It's high noon. Yeah, it's high. He should have said that. Been that was, yeah, that's the reference I wish I had. That would have been funny. But you know we got to do it to him. What would you rate this show? And I... I challenge you to try to do it from an objective standpoint. No, As if someone who had not been exposed to cyberpunk for the show for the show's sake i think it well i'm gonna give you two ratings then okay fair enough if you're a, a noob idiot who hasn't played the game <laughs> <laughs> freaking idiot wow uh if you're a choom you're just a choom uh i'd say it's probably like a 75 i do think it is it probably is confusing as fuck they do not explain too much i'll be honest with you yep and for me 88 I really enjoyed wow. this. It was so nostalgic for a game that I could not. T- I think it was literally the most anticipated, like anticipation I've ever had for a game. You know what I think this anime was for you? I think it was like if, why it was if Jurassic Park was an anime. Oh, don't wow, don't. <laughs> I know what Jurassic Park means to you. That's a high claim. Yeah, I think it was nostalgic for what you had in the mind's eye for the game oh, before yeah, it came baby. out. Right there. B- before like, I was like, T-posing through my car for no Yeah, reason. right there. Before the execution really brought everything back down to reality, the vision of what you wanted that game to be oh, in its yeah. perfect state, this game hearkened to that. And for that, I'm going to give it an 83. Okay. Object, flat objective. I, I think visuals, it got to the Sakuga heart in me. Some of those effects, mwah, absolute fluid, beautiful framing. I like the Sandy. Yeah. Um, yes. I like this. The Sandy effect was insanely cool. Bloody wild. It was some real Struth. abstract shit. <laughs> truth. But um, yeah, I, I think 83 flat for both from an outside perspective. I think you can justify an 83 from an inside. I'm going to give it that as well, because while I, I think I, I think it did a really good job, but I, I knew it was kind of a one and done flash in the pan. And there, the de- while the depth was there, it needed something like an 86 level of depth to get me in like a higher score. Like it, like I said from the beginning of this episode, it didn't have a lot to say from a commentary standpoint. And I'm not taking it away a lot. For like I didn't walk away with life lessons. I didn't walk away with things applicable to my world. But it gave me. Well, a I think that's a good looking, thing because Night City is so fucked. Right. It gave me a good look at the morality and the social structures in their world, and I got to be a a kind of outside viewer into it, which makes for a great time. So honestly, you know, player of Cyberpunk or not, you should watch this. It is a low time commitment. It is bingeable as all sin. Like it is so so quickly bingeable 
Um, I, you walk away with um, a great story, one that you'll probably remember for a while. Just like a fun little event. It's a little fun, neon, <laughs> depressing, little gritty, treat. cybernetic event. A treat for your cries. <laughs> a treat for the eyes and your treat for your cries. <laughs> but thanks, y'all, for coming to class. If you'd like to listen to any of the stuff we've already done, you're already on the platform wherever you're listening to this. Just two clicks, go right back into our catalog, and you can get any of the links to anywhere else and our socials on uh, anywhere you get your podcast fix in the description. Like, comment, and subscribe. Where you do those things on the YouTube, we're pumping those out routinely. Now that I live in the lab, we are one well-oiled machine now. We should be churning on a regular clip. Uh, we are clip. Uh, one episode behind because I do not have the assets. <laughs> yeah, the assets are there. They're, they are not. They're totally there. I looked last night. We will night. look right after this episode <laughs> and I will prove it, but it's fine. It's fine. Not now. We'll discuss this off mic, okay? <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to give some monetary love, only if you can, patreon.com slash ebology one dollar up gets you into the Discord with all of the past guests that we've had and the lovely Patreon folk. Lately, we've been, had some hot uh, food picks. Those those always pop off randomly. It's so fun to see what you guys are cooking. So that's a good time. Um, <laughs> and uh, $3 then gets you the syllabus sidebar, the lo-fi, high vibe, sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes on hiatus and sometimes visual show. We talk about life and shit and the occasional game show that comes from the ruminations of our brains. The utter machinations of a mad genius. Yes, the random shit that we're just like, let's try this and let's go do that. So I think that's all I had. I'm just literally going to go upstairs and edit this shit noise that easy nowadays <laughs> but until i then return to the basement where all of our secrets are kept i'm ricky <laughs> and i'm ethan and this is Bellybology. deuces deuces deuces, <laughs> deuces <laughs> they kind of didn't tell about the dragon down there yeah, oh shit wait oh. hold on no oh.